Hey, my name is KD Wilson. Welcome to I Lead the Way, a podcast where our mission is to empower, inspire, and uplift leaders in every single community. By way of motivational moments, informative interviews, and real life experiences, we're going to push the envelope in order to compel our listeners to lead the way no matter where they might find themselves in their life. You don't have to have a title to lead. You can lead with your life. And we know you were born on purpose, with purpose, and for a purpose. So let's live this thing out together. Starting team practice. I'm I'm two days into our official team practice because everything else before then was individuals. And, you know, I'm out on the recruiting trail. I don't know. We were like three days out on the road doing that. And spring break, I go back to spend a couple of days with my family in between recruiting trips. And my boss goes, um, don't come back. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, we may not need you for a little bit. Just spend that time at home. And you're going, something's really wrong. Like that. Hello, hello. My name is KD Wilson. You are tuning in to I Lead the Way, a podcast where ordinary people are wanting to learn how to do extraordinary things. And you have the privilege you have the honor my friends you should be clapping your hands and you should all send me a donation of five dollars because i have a very 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 interesting and awesome person here with us today so let me just read i don't typically have to read off people's stuff but let me read off a few things so i'm not going to tell your name yet even though you can read it but i'm going to say this person started every single match all four years in college was the outside right side hitter if i got it right freshman year um, until the coach came alongside and said, hey, do you want to be a setter? And the response was initially, no. And then it was, well, I'm waiting for you to give me a yes. And that's kind of what it turned out to That's what leaders do. They rise to the occasion. Um, so she set for two, two years, um, made the tournament all four years, part of the Big Ten, made all Big Ten in both positions, spent nine seasons coaching alongside at Illinois. Um, and here's something that was really, really interesting to me. On a previous interview, not this one, an opposing coach, the coach of Wisconsin, uh, said about this young lady that I'd never want to root for the Ohio State University, but it's hard not to root for this person. And this person happens to be Coach Jen Flynn Oldenburg. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time and welcome to the podcast. Katie, thanks for your time. I mean, this is what an issue. I mean, I'm excited for this podcast. I, I just, I love what you're doing, the work you're doing. And like you said, leadership is part of everyday life. And so, yeah, I'm just excited to talk to you. It absolutely is. And again, thank you. Um, I have so many questions, some really, really interesting questions because you are amongst a very small percentage of human beings that have done something the way you've done it in the particular time frame you did it in. And that is you led a team through the pandemic. I'm starting straight from the gray because there are very few people in the world that can say, oh yeah, I, I was the coach of one of you know the most you know dominant teams in the nation during a pandemic when everything got shut down. I have new players coming in. I have my senior you know, athletes that are on their way out. I'm trying to help them navigate what's next in their life. I'm trying to help them figure out, do I stay? Do I go? Do I come back? And somehow, Coach, you were able to pull it all together. Can you please tell me how you did that? <laughs> uh, luck. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, I, it was a very interesting time. I mean, I, I was just hired to Ohio State, uh, my alma mater, in January. 
And if it's my first head coach coaching role, I mean, I, I was not even the collegiate world and our administration, I don't know, took a chance on me and, and I was persistent and pursued this job relentlessly. Uh, but it was a fit. It was a, a fit on all sides. Uh, I got the job in January. You know, I, my family decides to say we decided to keep them in, in Pittsburgh so that my kids finish the school year. So, you know, I'm kind of going back and forth, living in a hotel and but living my dream. Like it, it was just an amazing, I don't know, time to, to get started. And, and I'm ready to get going with the team. You know, it gets to be around March and, and we're just starting team practice. I'm, I'm two days into our official team practice because everything else before then was individuals. And, you know, I'm out on the recruiting trail. I don't know. We were like three days out on the road doing that. And spring break, I go back to spend a couple of days with my family in between recruiting trips. And my boss goes, um, don't come back. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, we may not need you for a little bit. Just spend that time at home. And you're going, something's really wrong. Like the, the social distancing, that, that sounded like something somebody made up. Like it, it just didn't seem real. And then you're starting to hear more and more. And then the NBA shuts down and you're, I'm like, okay, this is, this is pretty bad. This is, this is way worse than anybody anticipated. You know, I don't know that we understood the scope and probably still don't understand the scope of it. Uh, and, and then the, we're in a shutdown, the world shuts down and I'm going, okay, I was, I was overwhelmed. I was, you know, drinking from a fire hose. You heard that term before, uh, the first couple of months going, how am I going to do this? How am I going to pull it off? Brand new staff trying to figure out the players. You know, I, the conference is the, the toughest volleyball con conference in the country. I'm, I gotta, I'm diving into this and, and I'm loving every minute because I played in this conference. I coached in this conference prior. I was excited for that opportunity, but it's still, it's a lot to deal with and the world shuts down. And not that I was excited the world shut down. Clearly the pandemic, that was all terrible things. But for my job, I was like, yes, no one else knows what's going on either. And, and I use that really to my advantage because every day was something new. Every day was a new protocol. Every day was, you know, trying to figure out how to motivate our players when we're spread out across the country and in the world. We had a player that went back to Serbia because we just didn't know when she would get a chance to go back. Wow. You know, do we keep her on campus in a dorm? You know, like there were so many unknowns. And so we we're spread out all over and, you know, we're allowed eight hours a week virtually to connect. And, you know, if I, if I, I look back, if I was 10 years into the job, my, my players don't want to spend eight hours virtually a week with me. They'd be like, see you later. Like, we're going to go, you know, try to figure out our skills on our own in our backyard. But because we were so brand new, our staff was new and there was excitement about the hire and, and where we wanted to go with this program. You know, it was, hey, we're going to we're going to meet eight hours a week and, and we're going to do it you know, over the course of the five days of, of, of the regular week. Uh, but it was just those touch points that I think were important for my staff and the players at the time to build those connections and build those relationships and, and really the trust behind what we're gonna eventually get to do on the court. And so we, we spent time, we read the four agreements as, as a team, oh, virtually over Zoom. So it was like, okay, read this chapter, but we're gonna read it again together and share our feedback and, and thoughts and, and go through this book together because it's one of my favorite books and I've read it multiple times over the course of, of my life. And each time it's impacted me a little bit different. So I felt like the impact it would have on the players would be special. Um, and then we really dove into to volleyball in a virtual way that I think had a direct impact of our initial success because we, we did scouting reports. You know, we, at first it was very, very basic. I mean, 
if you we, we went back and asked some of the players, they'd be like, it was embarrassing how how little we knew what we could do in, in that space. And so the growth that they showed in terms of how to look at video, how to break down opponents, you know, what to look for, that that evolved over the course of months on Zoom. And, and so like we spent that time, I mean, laid out to the hour, eight hours each week. And sometimes it was just, hey, let's play, um, what do we play? Family Feud. Let's let's do a, a round of Family Feud on this, just to keep it light and fun because that that's part of it too. So, you know, I, I think all of those connections and, and that trust that was built during a, a time that was really terrible for everyone was important for them because it helped them stay in a routine. It helped them stay connected. It helped them build deeper connections with each other because some of the, the assignments were to, to have phone calls with a teammate that they probably wouldn't do. You know, like there's different groups that stick together and no, okay, you're a freshman. You need to have a conversation with a senior this week. And, and just those, I don't know, the trust that was built was big. And, and then we go into August and, and we're getting back into playing again. And, you know, even that was like spatially, I don't know, spaced out practices. Like how do you even do that in volleyball? Like we're, we're pretty close and you, you gotta, you gotta work together. And, and then we heard the, the news that our, our season's canceled. And it's like, oh, how do you do, how do you deal with that? And, you know, I, again, I think it goes back to me being new and going, all right, here's some terrible news. How do we adjust? How do we adapt? And yeah, we're not, we're not stuck in routines because I don't have those as a coach yet, but here's another day to, to get better in this area. Here's another day to understand how to be flexible because as you move on to the next steps of your life, like not everything's so, so structured and, and things are going to change and how do you evolve and adapt and just get better. And so, you know, we had a lot of those life lessons really fast in a, in a short amount of time, you know, from my hire until that point. And we got better. I mean, we got better at volleyball, like the, the first time that we were practicing and, and we hadn't practiced skills in months, we were already better because I think their volleyball IQ grew over that time. And, you know, when we eventually got to team practices, because that wasn't until November, like we had all these, the, the spatial awareness practices where everybody spread out. And then we finally were able to get together and we're, we're practicing a mask, but we're playing six on six. It was probably the highest level of six on six that that, that group has played together in Ohio State jerseys. And it, like the light bulbs are going off and, and just the excitement around it. And they're going, we haven't played six on six in almost a year and we're better. And it was that moment of like, maybe this coaching staff really knows what they're talking about. Like I, I knew we had the trust, but it was like when they have that tangible evidence of like, we're passing better, we're, we're setting better, we're, we're blocking better, like all those things clicked. And it was like, I, I knew we we're going to have a good season. I didn't know how good we were going to have it, but like I knew when we started in that weird COVID spring year that we'd be in a good place. And, and then we did, you know, we made it to two sweet 16s in my first two years, which was a little bit unheard of. Uh, yeah, because, you know, the, the previous staff, they, they hadn't made the tournament in three years. Wow. And now we're making it to sweet 16. And, and now we're going into my third season and, you know, we're, we're a game behind in the Big Ten and, and six nationally. And, and we have expectations to make it to the final four. So it's it's been exciting. I mean, it's been a lot. It's been constant state of chaos. But I think that's what this job, I don't know, it could be frustrating at times, but I, I think it's what makes it fun because every day is something new. It's a new challenge, new excitement. You know, everything's just different day by day. And if you can, I don't know, be flexible and adaptable, then you can have success. That's awesome. But that was long-winded. That was very long-winded. No, no, no. That was that's a good backstory because it, it helps it helps the listeners and those that might maybe aren't watching 
understand the level of calm you have right now yeah. because maybe you didn't feel it in that moment, but you said it, several things that stood out to me. One, there's a, a Navy SEAL named Jocko Willink. I'm not sure if you've mm-hmm. ever heard of him before, but, but Jocko says something that I thought was really profound. And he said he would have a, you know, someone that was under his command that would come alongside and say, hey, you know, this went bad. This didn't turn out right. This didn't go the way we want to. And his response was good. And I said to myself, this man's crazy. And he was like, no, no, no. Then he broke it down. He said, good. He said, didn't get the promotion you wanted? Good. Time to get better. He said, didn't get that that high-tech gear you wanted? Good. Master the gear you have right now. You know, and I, I bring that up because you said in the midst of it all, yes, again, it's a, it was a tragic time, still is, you know, still panning out for, for people worldwide, you know, so Definitely our hearts go out to those that, you know, experience the, the, the true hardship of, of the pandemic. But in the midst of that, every person that truly is a leader has, it's not optional. They have to find the good in the midst of the chaos. And you said what most people would probably have considered a weakness, a shortcoming, a pitfall, as far as me being a new coach in this space, in the midst of all this stuff, you said I see something some probably don't. And that is that this is a good thing because nobody knows what they're doing. It's equal playing field right now. So it's a game on. And that is a, that's not a mindset that everybody carries, coach. So I hope you understand that not everybody everybody does that. But I, I, again, bring that up because you are now modeling for your student athletes that there truly is no excuse not to progress. Because it's easy to say, oh, well, we don't have this that we normally do. Or like you said, there were no habits or traditions to break because everything was new. So in that newness, you now have an opportunity to be what I consider an icebreaker ship as opposed to a paddle boat. I would say an icebreaker ship are the, are the people in the world that go out into those places, they go out into the unknown and they're chipping away at that hard space that nobody wants to tackle. And when they look back, they realize they've now paved a path and opened up a passageway for others to follow in. So you you made it very clear to your students, I'm sure, and your team and your other coaches that not only are we not going to stop, we're going to move forward and figure this thing out and come back stronger. That's a testament to internal leadership that has to start within the person before it can transition over to the team. So my next question is, where'd that mindset come from as far as you're considered? Because that had to start in here. There's no way for that to just magically come out. Lucky Charm says, oh, you know what? This is new to everybody. Let's figure this out. No, there's (laughs) something going on with the coach that says, okay, this is new, equal playing field. We got this. So where'd that come from within within you? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I think it's, it was how I was raised. It was how I was coached at a young age. Um, You know, I, I think you can help people become better in leadership situations, but I think you're, I think you're born as a leader or you're not. And, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, I, I was born as a leader and, you know, some of it is, you know, how my parents raised me. Like, what do you want to do? I want to do this. All right, then go do your best at it and go be the best and, and work at it. And, and it's, you know, a mindset of you could put, you could do whatever you put your mind to. And I feel like my parents had that for me. And then I, as I, started sports and, you know, yes, I was a good athlete and one of the better ones on every team. And, you know, I had that success, but, you know, some of the best 
players aren't good leaders. And for me, it was just, I wanted to win. No, I, I wanted to win and I expected to win. And I knew I needed the other people around me to do that. I didn't, I didn't pick golf. I think I would have been a really good golfer. I'll be honest. I, I enjoy it very, very much. And, and I didn't pick tennis. Like I, I wanted, I love the dynamic of a team sport. So I played softball first. Um, it's just the, the quickest and earliest that you could get into a sport that was organized. Um, but my parents coached it. My sister played it. Uh, I played basketball next. That was like the next progression. And then I didn't start volleyball until seventh grade. Uh, but all of them team sports. And, and but I, I love that dynamic and, and being able to rely on others and, and them rely on me like that stuck with me. And part of it is I think it's what my parents did or, or were exposed us to a little bit more. My sister was five years older. I just wanted I wanted to be just like her. She was a role mm. model for me. And, you know, her best friend was probably one of the best athletes that went through our high school. She's actually the head softball coach here at Ohio State. So I get to Come see her. Yeah, I get to see her every once in a while. It's like the what coolest the thing. Yeah. So she was, I mean, she was my idol growing up and they had so much success. And then as I got older, it was, I just don't want to be like her. I want to beat her. Like I want to beat her records. I want to, like, it was just that, that internal fire of, you know, my competitive nature. Um, but, but it was the opportunities that, that my coaches, I think presented, like, I don't know if they saw it in me or expected it in me, but, you know, as a freshman, I, I go to volleyball tryouts and I just, gravitate to the JV court. I'm in, I'm in ninth grade. There's nine seniors on the team that, that play a lot. And my coach goes, what are you doing over there? And I was like, warm it up, <laughs> like, I'm warming up on this court. And he's like, get over here. Okay. So I'm on varsity, you know, day one without even trying out. And, and it was that expectation of like, this is what you're going to do. This is what we expect of you go be a great player. Okay. And so like, you know, it was like the I don't know, role change uh, as I went through it. So then I'm a freshman. I'm one of the better players, but I have nine seniors around me that I'm learning from that have been through this program and, you know, state championship runs and all that stuff. And then they graduate. So sophomore year, who has the experience? Me. <laughs> like There's no one else that really played. And so it's like, okay, I, I know what I'm talking about. I've been there. Now I got to bring everybody along. And it, so it was just like my natural progression of, okay, here's the opportunity. I need everybody to come with me. Why don't you come with me? I want to go win. And so I felt like that was that, that way, probably every sport I played, you know, I started basketball as a freshman. I started softball, I shortstop for my softball team as a freshman in high school. And again, I think it goes back to, I wanted to win and I knew I needed the people around me to do it. And then the funny story is I, I pick Ohio state for a variety of reasons. One, they, they said I could be a hitter there. I didn't want to be a setter at all. <laughs> so I'm, like, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go hit Ohio state. This is fantastic. This, this is my, my dream job. Like, and I'm going to a program that, Two years prior, uh, went to the final floor. So successful program, expectations of winning the conference. You know, that's, I'm all in. And, and I'm going to someplace that has better athletes than me so that I got to work for this. Like, I, I just didn't want to just show up and day one, I'm, I'm the best. Like, I've done that. Been there, done that. I want more. I want to be a part of this program that's, that's really successful. And I don't want to be the leader. Like, I don't have to be the leader there. There's going to be so many people that are better than me that's exciting. Like I was excited about that. Wow. Well, jokes on me. I'm a leader, like whether I want to be or not, like that's, that's who I am. And, and people saw that in me, even if I didn't see it or want it for myself at that time. So I come in as a freshman, I'm paired up with a senior captain in almost everything we do that preseason. So she's my roommate in the dorms. She's my pepper, pepper partner, you know, like she's my roommate on the road. Like, and it was just, here's somebody that the, the coach respects 
Sherry Hillman is her name. You're paired up with her. And I'm going, it's coming next. You know, like when she, when this group graduates, now it's on me. Like now the expectation is for me to, to take on some of that role. And not only that, then, you know, your, your comment earlier in the intro, do you want to hit or set? I was like, I don't want to set at all. Like, that's the last thing I'm going to do. Like, I'm not a setter. I'm a hitter. You know, I, I have that hitting mentality, scoring mentality. And he, Jim Stone, I mean, one of my favorite coaches of all time, just waited and waited, gave me the, you know, the awkward silence and I set. Yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll be a setter. I'll be a setter. And the, the role of a setter is like a quarterback. I mean, you, you are a leader again, whether it's vocal or through what you're doing on the court, you are a leader on the court. And I, again, I think that's the part of the reason, not only athletic ability, but the, my role on that team was to be a leader. And so as a sophomore, I wasn't a captain yet, but I'm running the show without having very high level experience being a setter ever. Like I, I said a little bit in high school and club, but you know, I, I didn't have that under my belt. And so, yeah, I think it's just in me. You know, I, I wish I could say like, oh, this, this, and this, but yeah, it, was, it was raised. Yeah, it was, it was how I was allowed to be the athlete I was growing up and, and really what people saw in me and gave me the opportunity to take on roles that allowed me to, to be that leader, you know, through the course of my career. And then junior, senior, year, I was captain and went on to play professional, blah, blah, blah. But it just, I think it's in me. And I think it's my, my competitive nature, my, my eagerness to win everything I do. I have to turn that off sometimes. I've, I've done a good job of that outside of the, <laughs> um, but yeah, and probably my ability to re to relate to people. You know, I, I think I've, I don't like to talk about myself a lot and here we are talking on a podcast, but it's just people skills and, and getting people on the same page and, and going in the direction that you want them to go. Yes, 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 and yes. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I'm a big movie guy and I, I love the movie 300 if you ever watched it. Yeah. Um, and for those listening, if you don't know, it's, you know, the, the Monty 300 Spartans and they go up against um, Xerxes and his crazy army of like a million people. And the gist of it is that you have a very small group of trained soldiers that are going up against an absolutely overwhelming army. And they hold them off for several days before, of course, they're just overwhelmed by the numbers. But the mere fact that they even got through the night is a testament to a the vision that was set out b the leadership that was in place c the sacrifice they were willing to make d i can keep going on the vulnerability they were willing to put themselves yeah. you know in um and then again I, I could go on forever but the the thing was when i learned about them every man protected the person to his left he didn't protect himself. Um, and that's beautiful because they carried their shield in their left arm and their spear, their sword in their right hand. And when I, when I hear what you just said, you know, you said you, you had to come up, you know, your freshman, sophomore year and you're around these seniors, people trained soldiers for lack of better terms that had been there before they had done that. They'd been in, in war times and you were next to step up. And again, when I track back to that movie, there, there are different characters that showed leadership in so many ways, but one of the one of the true definitions of a leader is someone that understands how to follow first and follow well, because they understand it's not about them, but the bigger mission, the bigger goal, the bigger dream. Um, and 
there's no way for you to have a successful team without first sowing the seed of a successful vision first. And there's definitely some things you've done because I, when I was doing a little bit of research and correct me if I'm wrong, but you broke the, the losing streak against Nebraska since what, 2016? Was that right? I think you were one of the first, was that you all were able to, to beat Nebraska and hadn't been one since like 2016 or somewhere in there? I think, yeah, at home. We yeah. beat them on the road before. Right, the but, year, but at your house. Like at our house. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of streaks that, that are happening right now. So yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. But again, that those don't just happen. Those come because the young ladies on your team um, have come into an atmosphere. I always say the seed determines the potential, the soul determines the growth. Um, you put an apple seed into the wrong environment, it's going to rot and die. But you put it in the right soil, give it water, give it sun, give it space to breathe, that then grows into something that produces fruit for the rest of the world. And for every student athlete that's coming into the soil that you have, coach, that you're cultivating and, and, and putting other coaches and knowledge and wisdom and experience and compassion um, and, and everything else into, that is soil for them to be able to come into this place and say, I can grow here. You know, that's truly what vision is. When someone comes in, they can say, I can grow here. Because when a person can't see a thing, they won't pursue a thing. Yeah. But when they see it and they start to pursue it, man, if you have somebody like yourself or the coaches you have on your staff, they're in the right place at the right time for the right reason. You have what I consider a very dangerous team. Um, <laughs> when people are motivated to protect the person to their left, because I want us to win this and not just me to win this. But it has to start with you. You've got to have that desire to want to, to make it. And not just in volleyball, but in life. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's raising, you know, your, your kids to be healthy and well-rounded and have strong foundations or, you know, it's just in a marriage relationship, making sure your spouse knows you still love them and you're still balancing things in the midst of everything else. You have to have the desire to want to win on your own before you can start spreading that to somebody else. I always say you can't give what you never had, you know. Um, but when you grow into something, you now learn about that thing. You can begin to share, you know, what's been yours. So I thought it was very profound to me because, um, again, can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was the deputy, di deputy director of athletics um, around that time that you were being uh, hired said it was very clear as to your why. Yeah. And I have seven principles of leadership, purpose, vision, commitment, ownership, strategy, action, results. Um, that's how I do everything from tying shoes to making breakfast to, you know, leading a, a seminar or whatever else, those things in order, purpose, vision, commitment, ownership, strategy, action, results. And your purpose was not questioned. Therefore, your vision had to be clear. Um, when somebody else can vouch for that, I can see this person's purpose. That's a hard thing to do. So the why behind it, I, I, again, I love the fact that you were seeing ahead of time. You said in another interview that your freshman year, you know that after this thing was done, the song and dance was over, you wanted to be a coach. Yeah. Um, so there's that level of natural influence that, that's within you because my definition of a leader is someone that's willing, capable, and able to step into a position of influence that will better and progress their selves, themselves and others towards a collective common mission or goal. Um, it's exactly what you've done thus far. So you've had a lot of success. What have been some unexpected obstacles you've had to overcome outside the pandemic? Mm -hmm. um, 
I think, I think a big one within the team is just getting over losing. Mm. So initially it was, you know, they, there's talent in the gym, but then how do we win and how do we win on high level? Right. So like that we should, we should win this game pressure. That team's better. I don't know if we will win this game. Why are we even talking about it? Go, go out to win, you know? So, so I think some of that of just, they don't, they don't know what they don't know. And so even leading into the, the pandemic year, the COVID year, you know, we, we had, we normally have 64 teams that make the NCAA tournament. You have automatic qualifiers, you win your conference, but the big 10 gets anywhere from six to nine teams in every year. That's a lot. Like, that's why we're one of the best. If we're the best, I'm just going to say it. Not one of, we're the best. Yeah. So, so you take out 32 teams and our team's like, is this even a season now? Like we're, then they're mad that we're not at 64 teams. And I'm like, okay, hold on a second. Let's, let's reel it back in. We're having a tournament. So let's do some math. 32 is better than zero. Like basketballs last year, all the spring sports, they were at zero. They didn't compete for anything. They need some of them didn't even play games. So simple math, 32 teams are better than zero. So let's be grateful that, that there is a tournament. Mm-hmm. Okay. If we take care of what we need to in the big 10, we're going to make the tournament. Like we have a chance to win this thing in the COVID year. Okay. We, we, we didn't accomplish that, but we're going to make the tournament. And they're still like, how do you know? Because like, that's, I've done this. I've done this at a player. We've done it in Illinois. Our record, our strength of schedule, who we've beaten in the Big Ten, we're in. Really? Yes. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why. You know, so it was like this combination of like, a, a, not a losing mentality, but like they just, they don't know anything about the tournament or who gets in or why. Like, it's like, they feel like it was on a whim. But then as soon as they say 32 teams, they're like, not a real season. I'm like, okay. So they had to go history lesson. Like, of the last however many years, the winners have come from Power Five conferences. So some of our uh, the the conferences choose not to play. That's very unfortunate for those teams and those conferences. They don't have a chance anyway. Like the, the winners are coming from the Pac-12. They're coming from the Big Ten. You know, outlier SECs in the Final Four. ACC. You know, they've made it before, but they haven't won yet. Like the winner is going to come from the Big Ten, or it may be Texas. Like they're they're the the conference that you know, they, they win it, but they're the outlier. So I don't like show them like, we're fine. And, and we're going to make, yeah, it's weird. We're going to be in a bubble in Omaha and it, it's going to be strange, but we're in it. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, so it's just like some of those things of, of what they, what they don't know. And then they're complaining about or, or getting riled up about. And I'm like, that, that let's focus on today's practice. We don't need to worry about that. That's four months away. Like, let's just focus on now. So I, I think some of those things, I think have been a challenge. I think the the next year, I think this sounds weird, but like how fast we achieve success, I was concerned about mm-hmm. because, you know, we were building our culture. Like, I feel like we were, we were in it daily, building our culture. I talked about that trust, but I knew we had a long way to go, but I felt like our success went like this and our culture was creeping. And so I knew there was a gap there. And, and then we'd have to work really hard to try to bridge that gap, even leading into the last year, you know, into a season. And, and I think there was times where there's things I would have probably done different or, or dressed situations a little bit differently to try to bridge that gap even more and not have some of the losses that we did. 
And I, I feel like one of the things that, that we need to do a better job of last season, and then we spent a lot of time on this off season was managing the noise. I talk about that a lot, managing the noise, yeah. like, or the, the arena quote, you hear that from Theodore Roosevelt, like the man in the arena, like mm-hmm. who cares about everybody else or what that noise is on the outside. Like, you know, there's this, a website that it's a forum that who knows these uh, people are listening right now, they'll probably be offended, but like angry old men are typing about college volleyball players and they're like doggins, you know, whatever player they don't like that week. Oh, she, she thinks she's a good center. She's not, she thinks she's a good libero. She's not like this person's way better. And, and then it gets personal and, and, but they get wrapped up in that persona of this username. I don't even know who it is because it's behind a screen is saying that I'm not good. Well, do you believe that? Uh, I go, you do. Why are you believing somebody you don't know? Like, let's focus on the people around you on a daily basis. If you think you're that bad, get in for extra reps and get better. You know, so it's just like this noise or, or I mean, even some of their parents sometimes, the chatter that they're bringing in. And I'm like, that's noise. Mm-hmm. That's noise. Like, let's, let's manage those distractions. Like, let's take care of each other. Let's be great humans to each other. Take care of our crew. And then we'll be better on the court. And so after last year, we lose at Georgia Tech. You know, it's a, a match we got swept on. They play great. We did not play our best, you know, and, and you get in the, the locker room or even the weeks after. And I'm like, okay, what, what's going to make us better? Sure, we could get better at skills. Every team's going to get better at skills. We just need to be able to communicate at a high level and take care of each other. And we're going to see on-court success. And so I say that. I go, do you know what the, the bottom line is? Like, or I ask them. What do you think? Our blocking needs to be better. Like everything's skill related. Our, our service needs to be better. Like, yes, all those things. I go, more, what else? And they're just looking around. You need to be better humans. You need to take care of each other better. Like you, we just need to be better, better as people. And if, if we have those skills and work on those skills and, and be better humans, then in the heat of the moment, when something happens in the match, I could say, hey, Katie, we need you to block that ball. And you're not going, course you would say that like you go block a ball like we don't need that interaction you know like we need yeah got it because I want to go win you know so we spent a lot of time in the spring on our culture of how do we communicate at a high level we went through a dare to lead program Renee Brown's you know whole program we had we had uh my my former academic counselor come in she she's uh certified to teach it and we spent hours hours meeting as a team in order to be better communicators and have some vulnerability and how to show that and, and not think it's weak or, you know, passive. Like it, it was, it was so powerful for our group. And so, you know, so I think some of the challenges is just the day-to-day life of a, of a college athlete and, and what are the distractions? Are they real? Are they made up? Are they, mm-hmm. you know, whatever I think might be like, Oh, that's noise. They might hold on to. So like, how do we break through some of that stuff? You know? So I, I think those type of things have been challenges. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And which ties into something that is a reality for everybody, you know, especially like, you know, these things this year, our cell phones, I I always say that technology is both the blessing and a mess, you know, because yes, it opens us up and gives us an opportunity to see things we hadn't seen, maybe hear things we hadn't heard and reach people maybe we couldn't reach before, but that also that lane goes both ways. They can also reach out to us. They can also, you know, put things out. I tell uh, so if you're if your team that listening to this, then ladies, listen, get, keep your cell phone away from your bed first thing yeah. in the morning. Yeah. You know, I, I saw something that you did 
during the pandemic, I'm not dragging it too long, but I thought it was really profound. Um, somehow somebody had posted a, um, your daily routine yeah. and you had, you know, your coffee and, you know, your zoom calls and your emails and all these different things. And I bring that up because the star of the morning is vital. It's critical for those that are truly going to be successful because if you're waking up and the first thing you're doing is grabbing your cell phone or turning on the news or reading the newspaper or doing whatever else, you're automatically putting your mind and your subconscious in a, in a state of response rather than setting, uh, volleyball term, there rather than setting, you know, um, setting yourself up for the day. And we don't ever want to be in a constant state of response or reaction. That's a bad thing. Because if I'm responding and reacting to what somebody's already done, that means I'm behind. Yeah. So if I'm waking up in the morning and I'm saying, hey, I'm one of your players and we're, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Coach needs us here this time. What am I going to do before then? I'm going to set myself up, you know, to make sure that I have my body in peak condition, my mind in peak condition. If you're a prayerful person or meditation or anything, my heart and my spirit in, in peak condition so that when I show up, I've limited and almost broken down any kind of distractions that might come my way. Because if I'm truly here to be a winner and to succeed, because what you do in small increments grows into what you do in big and big times, then it's going to show on the, on the court. When coach says, hey, I need you to be a setter. Well, no, I, I play outside. You know, I need you to be a setter. Yeah. But coach, I, I play outside. You know, <laughs> I'm not asking you. You're not getting it. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, the person that truly understands the value of the mission, the vision, the goal, the dream, and most importantly, others, is the one that's willing to jump on that grenade when it comes. Mm -hmm. And man, volleyball, it's a, it's an aggressive sport. It's not mm -hmm. some, you know, sunshine rainbows and walking through the fields, picking up lilies, no. like you're diving, you're flipping, you're spinning. I'm sure shoulders get, you know, all out of whack and hyperextended and dislocated and everything else. I mean, I've watched some, some matches sometimes, like not only your hand-eye coordination has to be bananas for that ball to become as fast as it is, not knowing, but just your, your reaction time and not just the reaction time, but most importantly, to know that if I can't get to the ball, you can. Yeah. And, and that's that, that's, that's that hard part right there. I say hard in a good way. That's that enticing, that, that aggressive soldier mentality that says, if you can't get to the ball, I will. And if I can't get to it, it's on you, but together, we're going to beat them and we're going to yeah. take them to deep waters and we're going to see if they can swim, you know, and that, but you can't do that if you don't first build up a culture. And it's literally what you just said. You're still cultivating that soil to let them know that we have to be able to hit the reset button, hit it hard, hit it often and be able to move on that thing. Um, I was a, I was a first responder. I was a police officer for almost eight years and one of the things that I focused on um, just in service to the community was to make sure that I, I did not take the last call to the next call because it did me no good not to be able to reset myself. And I'm, and again, it's a, it's a whole different level. You're talking life and death in, in many instances, but I could have just gotten to a knockdown drag out with somebody who was trying to you know stab me or whatever else. And then I get a call from an old lady that, you know, she can't buy a remote control, reset and <laughs> yeah. show up. Hey, Miss Johnson, <laughs> can't find your control again. Here we are, you know, yeah. 
Um, But it's that quarterback mentality that you cannot focus on the interception because if you do, I promise you, you'll lose, you know? So I think you really hit it on the head there, coach, that when a person truly understands not only their position within the machine, um, but they develop a natural passion, desire, and vision to see somebody else succeed just as much as they want to see themselves succeed, man, you got something on your hands. You, yeah. you got you got something on your hands. What what do you do to keep your other coaches in tune? Because it's one thing to pour out because it's what you do as a coach. You're pouring, 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 pouring. But there there has to be a separation between team leadership and the coaching part. And I say that because I have you know, CEOs and business people that have teams that work under them. How do you keep your team locked into the vision um, by team meeting your coaches um, and keep that relationship flowing, if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thanks for your service. I mean, yeah, that's that's a big deal. So appreciate that. Of course. Um, yeah, I think it's for for me finding the right people, you know, and if you have the the right dynamic on your staff, it should be easy. Now, times aren't easy. There's conversations aren't always easy. Like there's there's a demand. There's you know you're in charge. There's expectations that they need to meet. You know you're you're constantly talking to them about it. But I think if you're here for the right reasons, similar purpose, and I don't know, you're, you're you want to be a coach because their why is strong enough mm-hmm. that you know those even those hard times become a little bit easier, and, and you're on the same page. And I feel like I was really fortunate with the staff that I, I hired in initially and then brought on board. And there's been a just one tone earlier um, last year, an assistant left to go back to her alma mater, coach with one of her best friends. You know, like one of those situations you're like, oh, no brainer. Uh, I was fortunate to have my my volunteer who was on staff um, rotate into the full-time position and it was seamless. Um, but but the the people that I have on staff, like, it's not about the X's and O's. So their interview wasn't like, tell me what you would do in this situation on the court. Like it was, how do you teach? Yeah, how do you teach? And, and it's, you know, I, I'm a teacher that isn't gonna just give you the answers. Like, hey, when this hap- this set happens and you're hitting, hit here. Like it, it, it's not that black and white. Like there's so many variables with how you play the game. Here's a good principle. Here's some different shots you can hit from there. Let's try to hit them all. Not all the ones, of course, but like in practice, we're going to hit that, that, and that, and that. So that you have, you know, weapons in your toolbox that like, you know, you could go to. And so how do you teach? Do you, do you give the answers or do you allow, or do you ask questions in order to the athletes to figure out the game and, and learn from it, not just try to retain information? You know, it's, you can't memorize things. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's one, you know, are you good with people? I mean, we're, we're interacting with if you think about it, even recruiting 15, 16 year olds to, to 17 year olds and trying to, Hey, Ohio state's the best place come join us. You know, like, so, so you have to have personal skills there, but then day-to-day basis with, with the team. And now you're talking 18 to 22 year olds. We're, we're older. Like how do you relate to that younger generation? And, and so you have to have some people skills there. Uh, and do you do things the right way? You know, integrity is a, a big piece for me. Mm. And, and so you do your research and, and ask a bunch of questions of the people they, they know that you know too. And, you know, we, there's so many NCAA rules and, and I'm sure there's a billion ways to get around them. That doesn't fly with me. Like, I, I'm going to do it the right way. We're going to treat people right. We're going to follow the rules. 
because I need to sleep at night. Like, and if I don't, like I, I wouldn't be able to put my head on the pillow at night and fall asleep. So, you know, it's about doing it the right way. And, and if you have those people that, that are bought into that vision, and, and like I said, I, I'm just fortunate to, to have that all three years, um, you know, and especially now, then we're on the right path. We might have different opinions about things, how to handle situations differently. And, and, and I'm one that I want to listen. I'm going to ask you a question like, how would you handle this? How would you handle this? What's your feedback with this? And, and I want to take all that information. And then whatever decision I make, my staff knows I've listened to their feedback. I've listened to their input. And I'm going to go the course that I think is appropriate. And then they're like, yep, yeah, we're on board. You know, and, but I think giving a voice to your staff is important because yes. you just don't want to dick, just like athletes. I don't want to dictate this is how you do it. Like they have experience, you know, maybe if it's a, a brand new coach and you're trying to like mentor them and teach them the ways and all the, but even then, like you're going to make mistakes and you almost have to, like I, failure is important. It's an important part of growth. I, I think it is a, as an adult, as a kid, you know, like all those things are big. And so there might be moments like, okay, this is, this is on you assistant coach, or this is on you. And then whether I like it or not, like I gave them the reins. Okay. I love it. Let's keep doing it. Or I didn't love that. Let's have a conversation, you know, away from the team. We don't need to do that in front of the team, but like, let's have a conversation about it. What were you thinking? Okay. Here's how I do it different. What do you think? Oh, okay. Good or bad. And then we, we just have conversations. And I think that's, that's how you keep them engaged. That's how you keep them invested. But if they're here for the right reasons, which is usually we want to make sure that these athletes are ready for what's next. Like that's my, that's my big why of coaching. It's not yes. Winning. You heard that early on. I'm, I'm com super competitive. I want to win, but that's not what this is all about. You know, like I, I want to make sure that these athletes are ready for their next, whatever that is. Some are going to play yeah. pro. Some are going to be doctors, you know, like some are have different, all different paths. Are they ready? Are we making sure that they can have hard conversations with their bosses in the future? Are they, you know, resilient do, do they have those skills to to be in relationships and be parents and do all those things you know like that's i think that's a big part of a responsibility that i i take on as a coach it's not we need to be better volleyball players yeah that helps it helps with the winning part but are we better people and i think that's when i find the right people on staff that that have that same mindset then then it is easy and it's fun to come to work and and collaborate with great people that are here for the right reasons I love that. I love it. You said something um, that absolutely deserves a piggyback, and that is that you see the necessity of training up the next person. Yeah, because, of course, I mean, and hopefully if you want to stay there forever or until your right. career is done, then, you know, so, so on. But but from from both levels as coaching your athletes and directing your actual coaching team and coaching staff, a true leader sees the value in not over-directing and over-correcting, but offering an opportunity for others to lead. Um, yeah. There is security and safety within boundaries. So if you say, hey, here's our walls, everything else in between, let's see what you got, it's free game. You're now giving your players your athletes uh, and your coaching staff an opportunity to not only prove to you, but most importantly, prove to themselves that they're able to do this thing. Um, mm -hmm. Because, and for those of you listening, what happens when you have a, a manager, a leader, a person of influence that is constantly being a helicopter, um, a helicopter boss, is you now rob, the, you rob your, the people on your team or those that are under your supervision 
from the opportunity to share their potential with the world. Because if you're constantly, like Coach said, giving them the answers, they can't figure it out for themselves. So you become a crutch now. And now when that crutch falls out from under their arm, they hit the ground. They're wondering what just happened in life. And you hit it on the head coach that you said you were looking past just the sport itself. It's a no-brainer that you want to win. It's a no-brainer that you're going to win. It's a no-brainer that, again, having the right people with the right vision, the right passion, and the right drive to be on there does make going through tough times easier. But, man, most importantly, something you, you shouted out was that if you become a better human, a better person, then I'm telling you, it's, it's hard to break the human spirit. It really, really is. Um, and I, I love that. I love hearing that from you because I have the opportunity. Um, I work predominantly with colleges and universities, but I also do a lot of corporate work and stuff on leadership development. But when I do have a chance to step in and work with athletes and teams you know, like yours, um, one of the things that I share is that, man, you want to be talking to the both the coaches and the athletes, you want to be the person that somebody wants to go to war with. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, listen, this, this is a fight. This, we're not hugging this thing out. Like this is a, this is a battle. Go watch some war movies, whatever you need to watch Top Gun Maverick. Awesome movie, by the way, you know, and, and get that fighter pilot mentality in your head where if you're Maverick, they're like, listen, I want to go to war with that guy. I want to go to war with that girl because they have, they have sharpened their craft behind closed doors. Their level of integrity and character is without question. They're willing to own their shortcomings and faults and things that they might have made poor decisions in. But most importantly, I know that he or she will lay it all down for me and I'll lay it down for them. And man, when you can find that, that caliber of person, which can be trained up and instilled in someone I believe passed on if you will man you got again a broken record you got something on your hands you know because the way you communicate under pressure which again tracking back to my my time serving you know as an officer that that's pressure you show up to the scene and somebody's not breathing that's pressure you know you're the only person there. You've got a lot going on. There's so many elements that you have to be able to, to think through process. But the most important thing for me when I would show up to a call um, and 95% of them were high pressure, high intensity, right now decisions, I have to be a good person first. My uniform comes second. My ability to respond, which is simply responsibility, comes right now. And if I've prepared myself behind closed doors and I've got people coming to support me and help me that have developed their gifts, their talents, their abilities, again, when you didn't have to, after practice or after training was over, those are the people, man, that make those situations so much easier to maneuver through. And it's exactly what you just said with your coaching staff, that you're not asking redundant rhetorical questions of, Hey, hypothetically speaking, what would you do X, Y, and Z? Yeah, it's relevant. But what you want to know is I got a student who came in. I got an athlete who came in. She's having a hard time right now, but she's our star player, our starting player, rather. What do you do? That's a hypothetical you want to the answer to. Right. Because again, you can teach a skill. You can teach a, a, a practice or something like that. But if you can't see the value in the person over their output, you're missing it. 
Um, so that, that that's so critical. Um, I only got one or two more questions for you, Coach. You've given me so many gems today, and it, it is awesome talking to you. Um, I would ask, what do you do for yourself to keep your tank full? Because you are in a position, again, where I said before, you have to pour and pour and pour. And then you go home, and then you have a family. Mm-hmm. And you pour and you pour and you pour. And then somewhere in the back of Jen's mind, she can say, oh, you're back here somewhere. So what, what do you do for you? And, and I guess, how's that go about? Yeah, uh, probably the real answer is not enough. I probably don't do enough. And, and I feel like a, probably every leader will say that, that we need to make more time for ourselves. But, um, you know, I, I think my family recharges me. I, uh, certainly there's times where it's like, mom, mom, mom. And you're like, not recharging. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't it. But, but I think just being able to, you know, to drive home after practice, I have like a, a 25 minute drive. Like that's my time. Just, just be, and, and that's like a recharge. And, you know, maybe over the course of years, that may not be enough, but when I get home, I, I can be a mom. And, and certainly the, the phone doesn't turn off and there's times where I get to take calls and, and do those things. But, um, you know, spending time with my kids, with my husband, I think that that's a big deal. You know, this, this past weekend, we had a rare two days off. I got to see my son's soccer game both days, you know? And so I think that's, that's a big deal. And, and to see his joy in, in all that, or going to watch their Taekwondo, like the, the three of them, my husband and, and two kids. Yeah. Are in it. And it's, it's honestly one of the coolest environments, but my coach brain doesn't turn off. Cause I'm like, wow, look at this discipline and look at this. And like, <laughs> I'm taking all these nuggets that I'm going to take back to my team. But um, you know, I, I'd like to read quotes. Like I, I, I think that recharges me. So um, you know, anytime I have a chance to, to read a book, I, I say chance to read a book, I'd probably have more chances. I just, if I'm in it, I'm in it. Like I won't be able to put it down. So like, I, I know I got to pick and choose when I, when I pick up a good book. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just, this has been my life. Volleyball has been my life. And, and so as much of a stressor it is, it also recharges me at, at times when, I don't know, maybe I should go home and, and not turn on the TV and watch volleyball. But I, I think when my daughter's like, hey, we watching volleyball tonight? I'm going, this is amazing. Like my daughter's <laughs> into it. And, and so like even those moments, you know, today she's like, I'm wearing, she said they had some theme today at school that was wear your favorite color of your fruit or vegetable, right? So, and we have a, we have a match tonight against Michigan. And she was like, okay, here's the deal. I was going to wear that green shirt, mom, but I put on the volleyball shirt underneath my green sh- sweatshirt to represent my cucumber. Cause I love cucumbers. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, and so like, even those moments, it's like, it's just, it's cool to see that. And, and I think that recharges me. Um, and then there's times where like we had alumni weekend, I got to see a bunch of friends and teammates this past weekend, you know, like, those moments, even though it's work related, you know, being able to show them around this new venue that we have and being around campus with them, like that was recharging and, and just really special and, and things that I get to take in even inside of work that, that recharge me. So I mean, that's probably a lame answer. Like work recharges yeah. me, who says that, yeah. but, but it's just, it's the nature of it. And, and really the, the connections I've made over the years through teammates or competitors that I, that I faced and you get to see them on the road. Like, I think all those small moments of just being around people that understand you and the sport and all that kind of stuff. I think that's, that's pretty fun. That's awesome. No, that, that makes perfect sense. There's a difference between there's a difference between never separating yourself from something that that you have become and the flip side of that coin is when someone's able to understand that yes this is a part of who I am but it's not my identity you know that 
I'm a person that happens to be a coach. I'm a person that happens to be, you know, a mom, wife, whatever, you know. Um, I think when people tie themselves to their profession, their job, it's dangerous because if I take your profession from you, I take your life. Um, And that's so, so dangerous for so many people. But there, I don't think there's anything wrong with what you said the way you worded it. Because like you said, when I think of, Kobe and, and Michael Jordan and all these different people that we, you know, have esteemed as being like the most elite players. I'm sure there's probably some different toxic traits and stuff that need to work <laughs> out. Um, but somewhere in the midst, there there is a breath of fresh air that some people won't understand unless they're in it, you yeah. know, um, where I have a friend who's a mechanic and I'm like, dude, you work all the time. Like, go home. He was like, I am. Like, I'm... I'm <laughs> Yeah, I was doing work, stuff that I that I had to work on, but I get to go fast and furious and be, you know, Toretto when I go home and work on my old school 76, you know, cutlass or whatever, because that's what gives me life. I'm not doing a job now. Now I'm working into the passion. And yeah. you were one of those people that has found that intersection, I believe, um, of both passion and responsibility. And that's a beautiful thing to see. Um, as long as you're not stretching yourself too thin up, you do. I got to get on the plane and come take a trip. We can have a conversation, but we'll get um, off it anyway. But yeah, yeah, I don't get to that. Yeah, but but it sounds like what you're doing, um, what you're doing works. And um, I got a question for you. Last question, and then if you don't mind, just want to give a shout out to your team. Um, but here's my last question for you uh, for now, because we've got to do this dance again. Um, I always ask everyone this question: How are you leading the way? And I say that. Um, Leadership isn't about position or title. Again, it's about a person who's willing to step up, be consistent, and be committed to a thing. Uh, what area of your life would you say that you are leading in? If somebody was to say, you know what? Yes, we're all imperfect, but man, that that Coach Jen, there's one thing about her that I know I would love to walk in those shoes and follow up her path. What might that be? Uh... I would say probably that I, I just allow people to be themselves. Mm. And so I think, you know, I, I, I enjoy laughing. I, I enjoy, I've, I don't, I have a good sense of humor, I feel like, um, but I'm quirky and weird. And, you know, and I think you, you need to be a little bit different to be in a, in a role like this and have success in it. Um, but I'm myself, you know, like every day I get to be myself and, I think showing that to my players as their leader, um, you know, I think it's important because it allows them to be themselves. You know, I, I had just this week, um, she used to be around the program when I played, she was working the scores table and she was like an official observer and, you know, all those things. She's like, I want to come see practice. And it's like, well, it's a little bit different than when I played here. Like ours was like strict and like, you know, and, and we were, we were great players and, and I wouldn't have changed it for the world, but it was just, it's a different environment. And she was like, um, they laugh a lot. And I was like, yeah, yeah, they do. Like there's music playing, you know, like it's just a different vibe. And, and I go, but when they need to be focused, they, they get dialed in. And so I think there needs to be a balance of that. And if I'm allowing it and they see it just in how I operate, then they can be themselves. I mean, they're, they're quirky and weird and it's fantastic because it works. It works for us. And, and if I'm trying to say like, no, you have to be this way all the time, you, you can't laugh. You have to be serious. This is a, this is a job. This is, you know, that's not fun. Like I, I was fortunate enough that I had fun when I played and 
I also worked my butt off. And, and there's times where it's like, yeah, laugh it out. And then we got to get dialed in for the next play or, you know, that drill or whatever that is. And, and I could do that. I don't know that every coach allows that. You know, it's, ugh. I remember being with the national team. There was like, no more laughing. And I was like, and I wasn't laughing. Like I wasn't being silly or goofy, but like other people were. And our coach said, no more laughing. And I was worried for my teammates because if something funny happens, I'm going to laugh. Like it's just <laughs> the nature of it. I could be so mad about our execution and practice, but if something funny happens, I'm laughing. And the team's like, you were just mad. I'm like, yeah, but that was, that was, that was silly. Funny. Like, yeah, how do you not laugh at that? <laughs> and so I remember being in practice that day with the national team and I'm going, I'm going to get us in trouble. And I, it's not going to be intentional. I'm not goofing around. I'm not, you know, I'm serious. I'm here for work, but somebody trips and falls. I'm going to laugh. You know, like I was just, and luckily that didn't happen, but, but I don't know. I, I just, I've been fortunate in my life. And I, again, I think it's how my parents raised me and the, the opportunities that were given to me that I could be myself. And, and now I'm able to do that at a, a very high level. And I've the support of my administration. I have the support of my staff. And I, I think I have the support of the team but then I support them to be their quirky, weird selves. And I know if we're laughing on the court, we're in a good place. And when we're not, I know we're, we're struggling and we're worried too much about the outcome. But when we're staying in the moment and we can have fun and also compete at a high level, then we're great. Mm, I love that. I love it. I love it. Uh, you are awesome. You're, you're a gem of human being. Uh, I, have, I have the opportunity to meet a lot of people uh, in my life and traveling and speaking and teaching and coaching and so on. Um, but uh, I can smell smoke uh, when, when, I, when, I, when I know it's there. And you're, you're just a genuine, authentically um, cool person. And I, I so appreciate you coming on the podcast. If I can, just giving a, a shout out to uh, your team. If I gave them a charge, um, I would charge them to be the very best they can to the best of their ability for all the right reasons. And I would charge them to depend uh, on the person to the left and to the right and to know they're part of something that is so much greater than themselves, but they have the honor of being a part of it. Therefore, they are just as important as well. Um, I would charge them to focus, to stay committed to the hustle, committed to the grind and know that the payoff is going to supersede expectations if it is held in the right way. And I would charge them to know that they're here for a purpose, with a purpose and on purpose. And if they operate within those coach and listening to what you shared with them, listening to um, just the support and resources they have around them, there is no reason in the world that anybody should be able to touch you all on that court. Uh, I know that you have what it takes to dominate. And I just believe in speaking things into existence. So. I don't say try. I say go out and do. I'll be looking for the score later. Uh, and congratulations in advance for just pushing the envelope and finding that next because it's there. So you're awesome, Coach. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. I have the chills right now. I'm, I'm ready to go play for you. Like, let's go. Let's get you here. But yeah, thank you so much for your time and, and everything you do in this space. It's It's needed. It's needed. Thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. Hey, it's KD here. Thanks so much for tuning in to I Lead The Way podcast. 
I hope you were able to bring home some really informative, helpful, and useful information that will absolutely transform your life, be it in work, profession, education, family, no matter the case, we know that you have what it takes to be the absolute best version of yourself. So do me a favor, go ahead and like, subscribe, and share the message as we continue to lead the way together. See you on the next one.